Deciding which round to choose a quarterback is the most difficult question a fantasy football player has to answer. Take one too early, and you risk not having enough depth at your flex positions. Take one too late, and then you end up hoping that your platoon of random late-round guys can keep up with those elite options. It's really a minefield of a position, but we're here to help. We'll run up a score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to Run Up the Score. We are a fantasy football podcast and we are so delighted to be here with you. Uh, This is our first episode. We're starting off with our quarterback rankings. My name is Donald Wagenblast. Along with me for this joyous ride through the 2017-2018 football season is my brother Scott Wagenblast. Hey, Don. And our good friend Tom Hillier. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? I'm excited. Doesn't this feel amazing? I'm happy to be back into football. The NBA has been great, so hopefully we can be some competition to them out there in the content-driven yeah. world. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Uh, we're starting with our quarterback rankings. I think that's the safest place to start. We're going to be going through our running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So uh, we're dropping all of these episodes at the same time. So even if you're not too big into the quarterbacks, maybe you want to take a look at our running back rankings. If you know what you're doing at running back, maybe take a look at our tight end rankings. Um, Whatever you guys want to end up doing, uh, we've got it here for you. And we're going to be taking you through this fantasy football season, this wild ride. This emotional roller coaster that we willingly get back in line for year in and year out, uh, and we are so excited to be sharing all of this with with everybody. Yeah, you know, it's such a position that it's everyone is so one way or the other on that. Um, hopefully, we can bridge the gap in the middle to uh, help you guys make the decision that you need. Especially if you're playing in some sort of office league, maybe not as competitive league, uh, you'll see those quarterbacks fly off the board because they're the most important position in the nfl so to those to the uninitiated it's the most important position on a fantasy football team and and some respects it is but you can really take advantage of people we're going to teach you how to do that in some of the later draft episodes today we're going to focus on the stats and what we think each quarterback kind of brings to the table in this uh, upcoming campaign we have so many surprises for you not only for these rankings episodes but throughout the entire season um but to me i think we just got to get into it yeah, so time. what we're going to do is we're going to go through our top 20. Now, if you're in a 10-team, two-quarterback league, these are the 20 guys that we think should be starters. However, we're also going to be talking about guys that we think are going to be factors later in the season, um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But we're going to go from 1 down to 20, and the only pick that we have that was a consensus number 1 in, in any, any position. position, I believe, is quarterback. Because we all have... Number one, quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, <laughs> we all have uh, Antonio Brown, number one wide receiver. We do. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, we can't. For a good reason. Him either. <laughs> True. Yeah, for good reason. And the good reason is, is they're the clear cut two best guys at their position. But let's focus on Rodgers right now. Scott gave the uh, the A B with his hands. That like, was pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, I that. really did. I was like, I know what he's doing. LA but I don't style. know how he's going to make yeah. B. <laughs> And uh, But it worked out. But let's get back to the quarterbacks. We've all got Aaron Rodgers, number one. I think he proved it 
down the stretch last year, he really probably put some fantasy teams on his back. I've got my hand up. I was one of them. And so do I. Yeah, um, I was just about to say, I'm sitting in the in the company of two Rodgers, absolute number one overall truthers. But, yeah, um, you know, I've obviously owned Rodgers in the past, too, and have enjoyed and reaped the benefits. But, I mean, he was just so good last year. And it seems like he gets better every year at this point. And to me... He comes in with a full repertoire of weapons on a team that isn't trying to hide the fact anymore that they're going to throw a lot. They're not trying to disguise their team as we're going to get a lead and Eddie Lacy is going to bang between the tackles because obviously that didn't work out. It's not their team's type of culture. And I think this year, Aaron Rodgers, you know, book him for the 40 touchdowns and four picks or whatever he always gets and, and be happy when you pick him, you know, I would say right now he's going in. You can get him in like the third round, which is a huge steal. steal. Even steal. in a twelve man, you can risk getting him in the third round, and uh, I don't think that's much of a risk at all. In the past, he's gone in the first round, and in those years when you're taking him like eight, nine, ten, I don't even hate that. You no. get him, and then you wrap around in the next round and get another stud, and you've got that position shored up. Yeah. But um, you know he's not going in the first round this year. But you think he has in the past? He's a first round caliber producer of fantasy points. The Absolutely. quarterback position produces as a raw number, just an insane amount of points, especially compared to other positions. If you're not even playing PPR now, Aaron Rodgers has almost more of a distinct advantage because, you know, you can't just send out Larry Fitzgerald out there and get a hundred receptions and, you know, only score a few touchdowns at the beginning of the year. Aaron Rodgers is doing all these things that are just worth so many points, even rushing touchdowns. And when we're talking about we're, when we're talking about taking a quarterback early, the one fear that we have is, well, what if you miss out on like a stud running back or a stud wide receiver? But if he's going in the third round, a lot of those second, third round running running backs and wide receivers are high potential guys. Like you're really only taking a guy in the first round if he's proven that he can do it over time. So if I can get Aaron Rodgers, a prime candidate to be the number one scoring player at his position. That's what I want. I don't want some running back who showed some flashes at the end of last year and and might get hurt or might not be as big a part of the offense anymore. Like I want Rodgers. And that was kind of the mentality that I had when I took him. I was thinking like, ooh, I should go receiver here because I only have two and I need a flex spot. Ooh, I should probably build my running back depth. And I was like, no. Like I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. From a consistency standpoint, I mean, you're – the lowest he finished in recent history is like six or seven, depending on your league format. So really, you're getting a lock at QB1. Yeah. So, you're getting pretty much a lock at top three. And the, way, and the way I look at it is, listen, the point of the game is to score more points than the guy you're playing against that week. The point of the game is to run up the score. So guess guess who runs it up better than down. anybody in the league? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Look at the Absolutely. numbers. You know, like the cop quarterbacks are the highest scoring players. So if you're going to reach on a quarterback, then then go all in and reach on Rodgers and lock up that, you know, 20-ish points per week for sure. Because at the end of the day, you can still build the rest of your team to get enough points to get you wins. Absolutely. And like we said, the consistency is there and that's what you that's what you're just hoping for. But with Rodgers, that's what you know you're going to get. Speaking of consistency, we're hoping that Rodgers gives us as many years as our number two overall quarterback. He was our consensus number two. Everybody had him at number two. Tom Brady. 
First of all, the comeback in the Super Bowl was unbelievable. And that has nothing to do with fantasy football. Well, I guess it was only unbelievable if you've never seen Tom Brady play football. That's a valid point. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I did not count was, them out. It was, know. dude, you know, Brady, he's one drive at a time, methodical, gets the job done. And then it's the next one. And then it's the next play. You know, that's, that's why he's been so consistent over his career. And if you look at this team around him, I think they're built to pass more than they've ever been with the additions of Dwayne Allen, Brandon Cooks, um, an emergence of Chris Hogan last year, Edelman back, and Gronk back fully healthy, while getting rid of LeGarrette Blunt and slotting in who I think will be James White, who, they're, who they also love to feature in the pass game. I think that Belichick and Brady, you know, this is a kind of year where Brady's going to accumulate a lot of pass attempts, and if that's the truth, look out. The rich yeah. got richer in the offseason. Oh, yeah. no and, and they it. added Rex Burkhead, who added a, a big pass catching back for the Bengals last year in his spotty opportunities. They also got Gillisley. This is a Patriots offense that's as loaded as we've ever seen. You know, they're talking about Cooks. Like, we think Brandon Cooks is going to have the same impact that Randy Moss did. Yep. Like, that's how much they wanted Brandon Robert Cooks. Kraft said that. Yeah. There was actually so, an awesome comparable that came out of uh, Randy Moss and Gronk. Yeah, I saw that too, yeah. And, and that was pretty cool. We love Gronk. They're very be... similar. So it seems like they have two of them now. Right, yeah. yeah. So And now they've got Dwayne Allen, who's interesting. I think he never quite lived up to his potential in Indianapolis, but if anybody can get the most out of his pass catchers, it's touchdown Tom Brady. Yeah, and it's a wild day in the NFL when the Colts and the Patriots make a trade. They even said, Dwayne Allen was like, I never thought this would happen yeah. in, in this kind of situation. But they've they've featured two tight ends for a long time. Yep. Um, even Martellus Gronk's, Bennett was definitely serviceable last year. Gronk's most successful season was alongside Hernandez. So there's no hindrance of uh, targets to go around. And I think it's more and more of... The rich get richer. I think that's yep. just the theme of the Patriots. Right. So there's two yeah. sides to it for an offense, in my opinion. When you're a receiver, it's quality over quantity. You want the quality quarterback over, let's say, if a, if a team has you know multiple quarterbacks competing for a spot. But if you're a quarterback, you want quantity over quality, especially when you're Tom Brady. Give me the weapons and I'll make them work kind of thing. And I think that they've stocked up. The Patriots, you know, as good as they could have imagined yeah. this year. And I think that the guy that that benefits most is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. So yeah. we're looking at we're looking at potentially huge, huge numbers. And he gets to play at the beginning of the year and and like not miss four games. So Absolutely. like by like week five, who knows what this is going to be like. And I think I mean, just the way that the Patriots have acted since the Super Bowl parade. I really think they're just gearing up because they know they've got one or two years left of Tom and they're going to make the most of them. And I think that's why they made these moves and that's why they just don't tell Tom you think that cooks. Yeah. I'm over here grimacing. I think the Tom Brady diet could take him well into his 200 (laughs) with his level of income and the advances in modern technology. He's going to play till I'm dead in the dirt. As long as he remembers to bring his sleep shirt for road games <laughs> that Under Armour designed for him, I think he'll be fine. Uh, we're going to move on. We actually have our top three. We all had in the same exact order. Um, and I don't think really there was any doubt that these were going to be our top three. Rounding out that top three is Drew Brees. 
Yeah, when you look at these and, guys as like a tier, though, you know, yeah, when you're drafting, sure. these are the guys that you would target early, yeah. I would say, um, especially if they slip. This is something that you could take advantage yeah. of in a league where if everyone's ignoring quarterback, you kind of want to zig when they zag. And Drew Brees is a guy, he's just like Tom Brady. Thank God you don't have to predict who he's throwing it to. You, you just, just have, have to, to predict that he's throwing it. So if you want to own a piece of the offense – these guys are the cornerstones, the pillars that you need. Oh, absolutely. And Drew Brees gets it done year after year, fantasy-wise. Um, not uh, week after week every single time. But, well, uh, I actually have an interesting stat about that that may prove that it could be week to week. So I did a little research because last year I had Brees, and um, I kind of looked at his games, and I was like, you know, I would bench him on the road, and then I'd look at his amount of points he scored, and I'd be like, I easily could have started him, and he would have ranked pretty high, I believe. So let's see how, how far back that goes. I took every game that Breeze played on the road in 2015 and 2016, which was 15 games because he missed he was hurt last year and missed one. Or I'm sorry, not last year, the, the year prior before. with his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, the year before, sorry. So the, in those 15 games, I calculated his points and then compared it to the QB rankings from last year. So, Road Drew Brees over the past two years actually ranked as what would have been the 13th overall quarterback last year. Just barely outside QB1s in a 12-team league. And that trade-off to me is so worth it for what he's going to bring you when he plays at home. Yeah, and I mean, if you're not afraid to bench somebody, you know, he's going to have his tough matchups. He's going to have his easy matchups, both be it on the road. If he's got an, quote, easy matchup on the road... Maybe we keep him in, right? You know? Yeah. Um, if he's got, or if the, he plays in Atlanta, where they have a dome, or Carolina, where the weather's going to be fine. And uh, just to let you know, I've been preaching this quite a bit, but uh, Breeze is going to be playing Atlanta in weeks fourteen and sixteen this season. Right. Vice versa, Matt Ryan is going to be playing the Saints in week fourteen and sixteen. So those are playoff weeks. Yeah. And those games last year were fantasy bonanzas yeah i remember playing FanDuel, and people's entire lineups were um saints and falcons guys and yep. in some formats it was like you actually can't do this you have to add a player from another game right right yeah kind of completely personal and selfish but i hate drew Brees. um i'm putting my hand up here i haven't drafted drew Brees in like four years because every single year i'm like this is it like he's done right and i've been wrong every year so I think it's I think I'm think going for year? the one for the thumb. I think I'm going to say okay, not drafting him again this year, and I'm going to be wrong for the fifth year in a row. Yeah, I agree. I don't typically <laughs> draft him. Um, I'm more of the ilk of waiting on a quarterback. But uh, like I said, obviously I'm an Aaron Rodgers truther. If I can zig when everyone else is zagging and Drew Brees is falling, welcome to the team. Where, yeah. All right. So where's the point of of I need to pick this guy for Brees? Just real quick, what do you guys think? Sixth. It changes year to year. Sixth, I would have to take him. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too. In the sixth. I think yep. so, too. I would consider it in the fifth, depending on my team's buildup as well. Yeah. If I got Gronk, let's say, then I, would not be t- I wouldn't even be entertaining a quarterback in those earlier rounds now that I have Gronk because I just need to fill out those wide receiver running back positions right. before I get <laughs> trampled. Right. For sure. A couple of interesting guys who disappointed at four and five. At number four, we have Russell Wilson. That's right. Um, he played through an ankle and a knee injury all of last year. And once again, he got healthy. The Seahawks started to put it together, and they looked like world beaters in the last 
five, six weeks of the season. Him in particular. Yeah. He's one of those guys where um, you look at the stat sheet, it's really impressive, rushing, throwing, all of that. He's throwing more and more every year. He's getting more efficient at that. And he can obviously bolster his fantasy stats with those rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. But he's one of those guys where the storyline is really important. Yes. Especially in the last two years. So you kind of got that preview two years ago where they're going to open up the offense more. Throw the ball. Marshawn is gone or he's hurt then. And then the next year he's gone. Now they're throwing more, but he's hurt. So he's not as mobile. So like now you're getting this complete clean slate. Russell Wilson. You've seen the new offense. You know that he can do it. Jimmy Graham came back last year. He's an amazing red zone target. And, and he, he really started healthy. to... He really started to pick things up and be very reliable he was even between a, the 20s for them last year, too. Yeah, he was even a uh, down-the-seam target. He yep. had the most uh, deep touchdowns of anyone in the tight end position, which is clearly going to help your quarterback. Cause those guys, <laughs> Those guys are not scoring uh, without the help of their quarterback. And Russell Wilson is a guy who's definitely going to make that happen. You've got C.J. Procise out of the backfield now. There's just so many new storylines and I just don't see where Russell Wilson's going to screw that up. I yep. think he's um, a very tempting option. The problem I have with Wilson is the same problem I have with our number five quarterback, Andrew Luck. These Both of these guys have offensive lines that are going to have them running for their lives at some point this season. And with Luck, we saw how that ended. He played on a bum shoulder for most of the season, and then he has surgery and We've just exited OTA season, and he still hasn't picked up a football and thrown it. So we still, we're obviously all very confident. We think Luck is going to be a top five option this year. But let's, for those of us who are out there saying, oh, Luck hasn't thrown the ball, why should we not worry about Andrew Luck? Well, real quick, just before I touch on that, um, I wanted to touch on Russell Wilson's beginning of the season schedule. Yeah, go ahead. Um, The first five games of his season are Green Bay who was, if you remember, Quite absolutely porous. terrible against the pass last year. San Francisco, who was just terrible. The Titans, who were very bad against the pass last year. Back it up with Indy. And then game five, they played the Rams. So we're talking five games where this new look pass offense is going to get a lot of reps, and it could lead to a season where Wilson keeps building upon his success further and further, much like I believe Andrew Luck is going to once they get a little more continuity in their line. And I think a very important thing to think about Andrew Luck is that Dante Moncrief is coming into camp fully healthy and expects to be fully healthy. They love him there. And um, you saw how much he kind of struggled when they needed to go to Dorset and kind of back-end receivers. I think Moncrief is more of an established and like very skilled receiver, and I think it bodes really well for Luck moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, you, we mentioned that they lost Dwayne Allen, but they gained Jack Doyle last year, and him and Andrew Luck seem to have a really good rapport. Absolutely. And I think it's just time that – you know, the same way we give Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt, we were doing it last year and all this other stuff, is that these younger guys that, you know, they were, they're on the younger side of things, but it's time to give them the vet treatment, right? If, if Tom Brady wasn't throwing right now, would we plummet his ranking? No. No way. Is Andrew Luck Tom Brady? No, but, you know, he's, he's a comparable talent. He's a very good quarterback. He's Certainly in a the comparable elite, fantasy performer. Yeah, he's in the elite category of quarterbacks in general fantasy football quarterbacks and they perform a lot the same like yep. Don said they both uh, like to 
it, when they're on like the five or the one, they'll both sniff out the end zone. Tom yep, Brady does absolutely. too. Absolutely. And uh, but they're mostly gunslingers, and yep. you gotta love that about Andrew Luck. I think he's not afraid to unleash it, and you gotta remember that T.Y. Hilton led the league in receiving yards last year, and who's throwing that? Yep. Well, hopefully it'll be luck for the full season. Yeah, for sure. T.Y. hopes that too. Um, Number six, Matt Ryan. Matty Ice. League MVP. His season last year was crazy. Meteoric. Um, It took Aaron Rodgers getting scorching hot down the stretch to take away the top-scoring fantasy player title from Matt Ryan. However, he did lose Kyle Shanahan. And if you're a believer that the offensive coordinator is a big reason for the Falcons offense last year like I am I think Matt Ryan takes a step back I don't think he falls outside the top 10 because uh, Scott I'm looking at your notes and they are just loaded with weapons I think Sanu was a great possession receiver for them at the end of last year yep Julio Jones is the best a monster and they've and they had Taylor Gabriel who's their big play threat Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman are formidable pass-catching backs. So the weapons are there. We just need to make sure that the scheme is there because without Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan was like a middle-of-the-pack kind of guy who always threw some back-breaking end-of-game picks. And that's a big deal for the Falcons, but it could also be a really big deal for fantasy owners too. Like these are You're losing points for interceptions, so if he's throwing a pick and it's you know Monday night, well, That's the say, difference yeah. between you winning so, and losing. So I think one of the reasons why that happened to Matt Ryan was he didn't have the two-headed monster in the backfield that he has now. And like Tom said, with Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt of having a great skill. Whereas I think Matt Ryan can make all the throws, obviously, but I don't think he has that separating skill that makes him elite. I think he needs that run-pass balance where – Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman just pounding at the defense to set him up to make those those good reads and those wide open throws to Gabriel streaking down the middle of the field or Julio cutting across the formation type of thing is where he's going to succeed. And I don't see them losing that, which is why we have him ranked high and why I expect him to continue to perform maybe not as well as last year, but it's not going to be a step back that's going to be something you scoff at. Yeah, and, and some of you might even be surprised to have him ranked this low considering yeah. he finished so high. But a lot of the time you got to call for somewhat of a regression toward the mean. We obviously respect the weapons he has and respect his game. Uh, sixth is nothing to to scoff at. He's of a course. completely draftable quarterback, um, and he's one of my keepers this year. So uh, my fingers are uh, <laughs> a crossed. little crossed on yeah. this guy. But I I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I like that I like that keep. That's a, It's one of those ones that you, you're like – Okay, I got Matt Ryan. You put your quarterback position in your back pocket and you move forward with the rest of your draft. Yep. From Matt Ryan, we we go to another player who actually was playing at or at an MVP level or possibly was the league MVP before he had just a soul-crushing injury. Like, oh. this hurt me when I saw it. Uh, Derek Carr is our number seven quarterback. He's obviously coming back from a broken leg that he suffered against the Colts. Remember the lineman um, that let out the sack? Like, how upset he was? You guys have never seen that. Check that out. It was so it was like powerful. Yeah. How impactful Carr is to that team. And um, you know, he, he's just such a cool dude. I don't know if you guys saw his interview recently about how he plans to spend his money. Uh now that he obviously just got a huge contract extension the other day. 
And I don't know, man. He is just such a good guy that I think that he's like a organizational type of figure. Everyone elevates their game to get to Derek Carr's level. And I, I see that continuing. And I see Marshawn really um, benefiting from that as well and really rising to the occasion more so than maybe we thought. I just... I have Derek Carr as my fourth-ranked quarterback going into the season. I love his weapons. Amari Cooper's due for a big bounce-back year. He had the sophomore drops. He's just like Mike Evans had a year ago. I like that. Um, He's got the crab man, Michael Crabtree. Oh, that's my boy. We love him. We love him in this podcast. Uh, They just added Jared Cook, who was underused as a Packer, but I think he could become something special. Um, They've got a couple of decent role guys in Seth Roberts and Andre Holmes. You know, I think, who is it DeAndre Washington that they have? Yes. yes. Yeah, so they got DeAndre Washington. They've got Jalen Richard. But I'm all about Derek Carr's intangibles. I think he is just an ascendant player. And I've, he's gotten better every year. And I see no reason why he can't do that again this year. I'm all in on Derek Carr. I have him a lot lower. Not because I hate him. I have him still as a QB1. This is the first major discrepancy in our quarterback rankings between us hosts here. I have him at 12. You know, I, I just think he plays in a really tough division. There's a lot of good cornerbacks around there. And it's just, I have trouble picturing myself rolling him out every week. And that's what I'm thinking about when I'm making these rankings, you know? Yeah. It's just for me, you know, I, I'm not really even thinking about coming off the injury. Right. Um, I like his red zone. You're thinking about at Arrowhead. You're thinking about, I'm thinking about at, at Arrowhead. I'm thinking about, yeah, in Denver, just at the LA Galaxy Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Is you Beckham know? still on the team? No, he's, I think he owns it now. <laughs> I don't know. I could be convinced to move him up, but. You know, I don't have too many things to talk him down with. I think I just have a lot of things to talk up about some of the next guys we're going to get to. Well, let's get to one of those next guys. It's really hard to believe this, but Kirk Cousins is like the least sexy back-to-back top 10 fantasy quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Two back-to-back top 10 (laughs) seasons, and nobody talks about him as an elite fantasy option, but that's what he was last year. Yeah, you know, he, was, he he really had he was top five. Yeah. Yeah. And he and had we're talking about it just like we said with Matt Ryan. We're talking about another guy who lost his offensive coordinator. But think about what they brought in. You know, they bring in Terrell Pryor. They bring in Samaj P. Ryan, who was really good at Oklahoma. You know, they've still got Jamison Crowder, who he really, really got to know. Well, they got Josh Doxson, who's coming off a disappointing rookie season. But reports about him have been pretty good. Um, and they've still got one of the elite athletic tight ends in the league in Jordan Reed. So, yeah, we could see a regression from Kirk, but how much do we really think he's going to regress, I guess is my question. It's just funny that you phrase it on what they brought in, kind of glossing over what they have left behind. Have left behind. Yeah, so they lose um, 1,000 yards into Sean Jackson, 1,000 yards in Pierre Garçon, and how many reps between them, like the rapport and all of that. You know, that's a lot left out there. Uh, I still like Kirk Cousins. I love the fact that, you know, he sniffs out for the end zone too. He had four rushing touchdowns last year. And uh, I think two of them came in the same game, but it's not, you know, an apparition. He he has a nose for the end zone like those other guys. And I, I really like those quarterbacks. They kind of operate as 
you know, a hopeful running back in a weird way yeah. when you're, when you're doing that mental math and you're like, okay, this is what I need to happen to win this game. Yeah. And blah, 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 blah. Like and he I, can get me 50. Yeah. Give me 50 rushing yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I need him to do is, you know, well, last year he ran that one in and then he ran yeah. the other one in. So, uh, but for me, I, I, I do hesitate a little bit on what he's lost. Um, I think gaining Terrell Pryor is huge, but you also don't really exactly know what that can be until it starts. So for me, I want that consistency in the position. I want someone who I know what I'm getting. One thing I, that I would say to look out for with Kirk is that his best receivers in his career haven't been the, the big-bodied type of guys, besides Reed, but Reed's a tight end. All tight ends are big. But, like, Garcon's not really, like, a like a very tall, big-bodied receiver, and obviously neither is Deshaun Jackson, but they're bringing in Pryor and Doxon. It's just something interesting. You know, you throw differently to those guys. You, you maybe give them more of a chance in a jump ball scenario, which maybe we haven't seen too much from Kirk for yet. It's just something that I would say to pay attention to, and I think that I, I won't speak for everyone, but I think he might have been in my top five if they had just brought back their offense from last year. Of course. I mean, when you have a guy like Pierre Garçon, which is why we're, we'll definitely talk about him in the wide receivers episode, but not too long ago, led the NFL in receptions. That's right. And you just, you know, sit part ways with that guy. It kind of, it kind of stings when you're the quarterback, I'm sure. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, we've still got it. Up next, we've got a guy whose offense really didn't change at all. And for that, I think we're very happy about that because, boy, did Dak Prescott look good. And he is our, are we on eight? Yeah, we're on eight. Eight or nine. I don't know. Anyway. But, yeah, we've got. He's our um, consensus nine. He's yeah. our consensus nine. So, number nine, we've got Dak Prescott. Nine is the one that looks like a six. It's just upside flipped. down. Yeah. yeah. And now we're learning something on this podcast. <laughs> um, so, Dak Prescott, I don't think anybody has ever been more impressive as a leader in their rookie season at the quarterback position that he was. And to boot, he was pretty darn good in fantasy too. Oh, he was great in fantasy. And, you know, to walk into a situation where, like, Tony Romo is regarded in such this high level from from the Dallas Cowboy fan community that he literally walked in and just proved himself from day one to the point where Cowboys fans were like, all right, forget Tony Romo, like, Prescott came and literally earned his way every single snap last year. And to me, that's really awesome. Like you said, they didn't change much in their offense, which I don't know. I, I think obviously they had a good offense last year. I would have liked to see seen them go get another receiver to really compliment Des Bryant. But Williams will, will be good enough. Their run game is so strong. Their schedule will be a lot tougher than it was last year. Their which, first five games are uh, really, really tough, too. Yeah, which is something that you're going to have to look out for with Prescott. But like we said with Cousins, his ability to run and Dak Prescott's ability to... I, I don't want to say game manage because it gets a very Alex Smithy connotation to it, which I don't want it to be. He is a game manager, but at a very high level to the point where he's going to throw for... 250 and two touchdowns and there's a good chance he runs for 50 to 60 yards and a touchdown and you get that you know he doesn't that's not an amazing game from quarterback standard but in fantasy wise it is cowboys first five games giants at denver at arizona at the los angeles rams and against the packers okay so yeah tough especially that mile high game so just you know something that you're going to need to think about 
when you're drafting Dak Prescott. Maybe not something that you have to bench him for because we, you know, we don't really know what these teams are going to look like until they take the field. That's right. And yeah. even still, like, I'm I'm of the mindset that we don't really know what these teams are until week four, five, or six anyway. So, you know, I'm not a fan of sitting your stud quarterback, especially a Dak Prescott, who can do so much with his legs if the passing game's not working. But, you know, you're right, Tom. There is, there are, there is something to be considered because the Giants have the blueprint for beating the Cowboys. Whatever it is, they have it. But um, we all, I think we're a very pro Dak Press podcast. Definitely. I really do because he was just so impressive. And I talked about it with Derek Carr. If I'm talking about Derek Carr's intangibles, I got to talk about Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott Absolutely. too for the same reason. He walked into maybe the most difficult replacing a star quarterback situation that we've seen in a few years. And he handled it with such grace. And the dude just balled out. Like, that's a really good way to win people over. It's just by, thing, like, going 14-2 and two in your rookie year. The one thing that I like to see is that, regardless, you can kind of tell that his personality didn't change. Like, he was the same person that got him there, and he didn't change. And that not changing really led to everyone else being like, okay, this is our guy, and we're rolling with this guy. And I think you can roll with him come draft day, too. Can't say the same about Romo. No, he went there and uh, he changed. Yeah, he sure <laughs> did. <laughs> uh, so Prescott, we think, is you know the same guy character-wise. A guy who's really shown that he's matured since he got in the league. He's entering his third year. Our number ten quarterback is Jameis Winston, and this is how I feel about Jameis Winston. I think Mike Evans is going to get ten touchdowns this year. Okay. I think Deshaun Jackson's going to get eight. Okay. I think Cameron Braid's going to get eight. Okay. And I think OJ Howard's going to get six. Okay. That's 32 touchdowns. <laughs> Who's throwing the ball to all four of these guys? Yeah. Exactly. So there's 32 touchdowns. Jameis is a runner. He has a nose for the end zone, like we talked about with Kirk Cousins. He doesn't run a lot, but when he does, he does so effectively. And, you know, I think he's a fringe top 10 guy, obviously, for most of us. I really think he has a shot to get into that elite fantasy quarterback category this year. The, the We just keep saying it the pieces. He could you know, easily he's be got the tools. a a tier changer. You know, he can yeah. jump into the next right. level this yeah. year, I think, especially with the new weapons. He didn't really have a deep ball target. So the Bucks, they actually struck they threw the least amount of deep balls successfully. Right. And now they got literally the deep ball guru in Deshaun Jackson. Right. They went from having the least completions over 40 yards last year to signing the guy who's had the most 40-yard receptions since 2011. He said it a little bit more eloquent than me, but uh, I just love how Jameis is like, he still plays almost like a college quarterback. He's got that reckless abandon about him, but he does it in a way that's not so detrimental to the team. Right. It's not like you threw Johnny Manziel out there and he's swirling around and doing some weird stuff. It's like Jameis is doing it with like this. With a purpose. Yeah. With uh, His heart is so in it. Yep. And, uh, and that's I, the kind of guy you want leading your football team. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're weighing heart into these rankings a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to not watch football and see the passion exuded by the guys and not have that play into how you feel about them emotionally. Yeah, as like uh, a Jay Cutler guy, I was just gonna he say had it. good weeks, <laughs> but like you know, he'd go to the sideline and pout and stuff, and you'd just be like. I don't want that guy on my fantasy team. I don't want that guy on my real team either. I was literally just going to (laughs) say, I wonder what we would have said about Jay Cutler. (laughs) 
Probably not such great things. <laughs> I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a non-important debate. So let's just move on now to our number eleven quarterback. Uh, he was coming off. Cam Newton was coming off of his MVP season last year. The the second year was not, or the, the next year was not great. He played hurt, just like Andrew Luck did. Um, his receivers did really nothing for him. It just kind of just seemed like it was him and Greg Olson out there for a while. And the running game wasn't as good. So it was a big step back for the Panthers. Obviously, that means a big step back for the quarterback. But, you know, there were it was a career-worst performance for Cam Newton. So I think, I don't know if he's going to get right back to that MVP level, but there's some middle ground where you can get a really good value pick as your fantasy quarterback with Cam Newton this year. Agreed. Yeah, the year that he finished as the number one um, quarterback, he was going in like the tenth round. Yeah. So, business as usual for Cam Newton is not the top quarterback. Business as usual for Cam Newton is a guy who can run with upside. But the problem is, is we talk about heart all of a sudden every quarterback now is that I'm not sure he really wants to play so badly anymore. He's going out there saying it's not fun. He's posting career rush lows. I don't think he wants to go out there and get hurt every every he's game. The refs don't protect him. So he's not really being encouraged to run. He has no um, reward system in place if the defense can't keep them off. Like you know what I mean? Right. The defense was tragic last year when it was, it was the year before something very special. That's what so, happens when you get rid of a stud like Josh Norman. Yeah, he'll put the clamps and down Keaton's on anyone. Concussion was yeah, jarring so, in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, so they lost a lot of pieces, but you know, Cam Newton is not being incentivized. It feels like to me. So I don't see. Right. I don't see the wants. I don't see. You know, I just don't see it with Cam Newton. For me, I I'm, believe that the whole off season for Carolina was kind of structured to maybe. Do something different to bring Cam's kind of boyish excitement back into the game where let's not have him stand in the pocket and hopefully be able to hit Kelvin Benjamin on a 20-yard deep post. Let's get McCaffrey. Let's get Samuel from Ohio State. Start throwing some quicker passes so this guy isn't just taking a beating. And I think that that kind of culture change for a guy like Cam is very good because he'll get behind anything as long as he can be, you know, he wants to be the guy. And when he's the guy in the right situation, as you could see, the the ceiling is as high as it can go. You know, it's and I do agree that I think they're going toward changing the offense, but I think that might take time. I don't want to suffer any fantasy losses in the meantime. Right. Um, last year, he posted his lowest touchdown percentage, his highest um, interceptions. And, mm-hmm. you know, just if you look through the stat, he ran the gambit of being bad. Yeah. As a passing yeah. well, I think. And if he's not going to rush as much. The worst accuracy in the history of the NFL. And if he's not going to rush, rush as much, then he's just going to continue throwing poorly. Yep. Yes. It's we talked. Uh, our next quarterback, number 12, is Matthew Stafford. This is a guy who the team kind of really – they really restructured their offense, and it ended up producing career-best numbers for Matthew Stafford over the past almost year and a half, basically. Um, and it's been a great – it was great to watch. He's he, Matthew Stafford always seems to have like this like pull-it-out-of-his-butt type play to make a great comeback. He always seems to have one of those a year. He's got a cannon. Yeah. And the defense starts playing on their heels. So he led um, 
what was it? Eight fourth quarter comebacks. Reference my notes real quick right, right. there. Good Eight call. fourth quarter comebacks. That's they went ten and six. Exactly. So if that tells you anything about the game script that he plays in, he's throwing it. Right. And he's getting those points in the second half when, like Don said, he's pulling something out of his butt. The defense is on their heels. They've got to let something up, let something up, and then he exploits it. So you'll see, you know, Golden Tate flip into the end zone in overtime, yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, he's not quitting. There's no quit in him. And he's yep. got Theo Riddick, short pass option. So one of his running backs, when he scores touchdowns, and Theo Riddick is always involved, is actually going to be a touchdown for your fantasy quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And one of the things that um, a lot of people don't remember was he had a finger injury last year that his play at the beginning of last year was so, so good that – and then once he hit his, got his finger hurt, obviously um, something happened with it. Maybe it was accurate. Maybe it was throw power. Obviously, we don't know for sure, but there was a decline in his game. So we've never actually seen – a full season of healthy Matthew Stafford with Jim with, Bob Cooter. Exactly. So if that happens this year, it's kind of like Cam. Like you don't know how high this thing can go. He could throw 40 touchdowns if they're coming back every single game and he's still able to make the throws that he was able to make at the beginning of last year throughout the entire season this year. And Unless- with, with all that said, Stafford finishes as a one consistently. I think he finished outside of the quarterback one category once. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, mind you, it's 11, it's 12. Right. But you're getting him in 11th and 12th round. That's right. So that trade-off to me is just very much worth it. We talked about earlier uh, how the Patriots were gearing up to savor what's left of Tom Brady. It really seems like our number 13 quarterback is having his team do the same thing. Now, I don't know if the Chargers are trying to get whatever they can get out of Phillip Rivers, or if they're just trying to make a big splash playing in a soccer stadium in Los Angeles now that they've moved. But our number 13 quarterback, Phillip Rivers, he's got more weapons than he could ever possibly need. Even though he lost his best one. Even though he lost Woodhead. <laughs> that is so debatable. But let's just let's just run down the list, though. They're getting Keenan Allen back, and pray to the fantasy gods God he willing. stays healthy. Yeah. We really need it. We need a full year of... We deserve a full year of Keenan Allen health. <laughs> so does Keenan Allen. The fantasy football gods owe that to us. Who deserves it more? No one. No, I mean us or Keenan. Oh, Keenan Allen probably. <laughs> and Phil. Because it's his livelihood that we're dealing with here. Yeah, but it could be ours too. <laughs> it could be It could be everybody's. <laughs> they draft Mike Williams, which was a head scratcher, but he's an elite level catcher of the football. And that sounds weird for me to say, but he's got great hands. He's He's got... Five-year veteran hands, not rookie Yips hands. And Phil's going to go to him. And they've got Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams came on in a big way last year. Hunter Henry came on in a big way last year that was actually hindered by the fact that they were chasing Antonio Gates' records when they knew they were out of the playoffs. And they add Melvin Gordon, or they get Melvin Gordon back. Well, they add Melvin. They add touchdown Melvin Gordon. Yeah, touchdown (laughs) Melvin Gordon is a pretty good player. Yeah. So... It's really all coming together for Rivers. The problem is, or maybe and maybe it's not a problem, depending on the way you look at it, they play in the toughest division in football, in my opinion, in the AFC West. Especially defensively, because they've got three elite def- they've got two elite defenses, and the Los Angeles Chargers don't have one of them. Well, for so the that's uninitiated. Two games against the Broncos, and that's two games against the Chiefs. It's that same division that I was talking about with Derek Carr. Yeah. But I am 
much more comfortable drafting Philip Rivers later than Carr, mm-hmm. and I'm much more comfortable sitting him down and plugging someone else in. You know, you don't have that sort of chips in the pot investment you do when you take someone in an earlier round. You're like, well, I drafted this guy to be the guy. I may as well send him out there. Yeah, what am I going to bench him week four? Exactly. So if I'm going to pick a quarterback in that division, to me, it's Philip Rivers. As you guys know, I'm an absolute Rivers lover. He's probably my favorite quarterback in the league. But even when I draft him, I draft him with another guy that we're going to be talking about maybe as we move down or maybe one of the guys above if Rivers slots in because the fact of the matter is this guy doesn't go in single-digit rounds ever, even though he plays like a single-digit round-drafted quarterback. He's much better than the Ben Roethlisberger's. um, Goodness. Yeah, you know, Cam, even Cam last year. But the consistency at which Rivers does it is so impressive considering he was throwing to rookie Tyrell Williams and Dontrell Inman last year. And now he gets this loaded cast that, okay, you you may not believe Keenan Allen's going to make it through the year. Guess what? He doesn't have to this year for Rivers to be really, really good. So I think he's our back-end QB1 guy that I really like to to maybe make that jump a little higher than we, than we have him ranked. But then he'll still be drafted in the same spot next year. Of course. Right. The fantasy football playing public hates Philip Rivers. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, we talked about um, enough. It's so funny how many of these quarterbacks are comparable in their situations, and you know Marcus Mariota, who's our number fourteen quarterback, is always going to be in the same sentence as Jameis Winston. Jameis went one, Mariota went two. Jameis got a bunch of new weapons. Oh, Mariota's got a bunch of new weapons. Um, I'm all in on him. I, I really think the Titans took year one and year two to say okay let's see what we've got and if he looks like he's the real deal we're gonna go for it well they're going for it they they trade up to the fifth pick to draft Corey davis who scott we know you love him that's right and then just for just for funsies they go out and they get eric decker and let me just put it this way marcus Mariota has never thrown a red zone interception we were talking about that earlier okay. when you weren't even here. We can't get over that. I mean, that Eric is... Decker is in the top five in red zone touchdown receptions. That's like chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Well, and then <laughs> like you... that's two amazing things that just come together, <laughs> and we're like, okay, yeah, this is probably going to be the greatest thing that ever happened. Rashard Matthews is the uh, whipped cream on top. Yeah, Last year, exactly. he was doing great things. So in the red we'll and call... I'm sure Delaney so we'll Walker, call is... Delaney Walker, the cherry. Yeah, on that's... <laughs> and I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> Sprinkle in a little Corey Davis, and all of a sudden, you know, me and Tom were talking about it. I think that the Titans were building, you know, they were they got Mariota, and we're like, okay, we're going to build a team. But then they signed DeMarco Murray, and they're like, wow, he's still got a lot left in the tank. Our offense is actually pretty good, even without a number one receiver. All right, so let's go draft the number one receiver. So they go and get Corey Davis, who I firmly believe would have been a great receiver, startable every week this year, if they didn't see Eric Decker out there and be like, wait, let's scoop Eric Decker and all of a sudden become this offense that has so many options. And just like I said before with the with the top guys, the quantity of great players that the quarterback can manipulate into the positions to score and be good always benefits the quarterback, always. And now Mariota has that, and I think this year is going to be a big year for Mariota. And he's an underrated rusher. I love to bring it up, but... You can't ignore it when it counts for so much fantasy points. Absolutely. 
we've got a make or break year for our number 15 quarterback because the pieces have never been this good for Andy Dalton, who's our number 15 quarterback. They got John Ross. You know, they've got Giovanni Bernard coming back. They've got Eifert. They've got A.J. Green. They've still got Brandon LaFell, who was very serviceable for them last year. They've got Tyler Boyd, who looked like he was really making some strides when he was filling in in that A.J. Green spot. So I, I really feel like it's now or never for Andy Dalton with the Bengals. And he's got that time. extension where he's like, you know, they're committed to him, but only for so much. So I think this is a big year for Andy Dalton, maybe the most important year of his playing career. And I think he realizes that too. And being able to go into camp with Jeremy the King Hill, Gio Bernard, Joe Mixon, and then add the receiving core that you said and Tyler Eifert supposedly coming into the year, fingers crossed, hope to God, fully healthy. I mean, what more could you want for him? And another thing is their schedule will most likely be at least pretty favorable. The Steelers don't necessarily have a deadly pass defense, and neither do the Ravens, and obviously the Browns have nothing. And they beat up the Browns. Yeah, yeah, historically. But I don't know. I think this year, and you guys know, I'm not a Dalton fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I actually I actually like him this year, and I, I think that you're right, Don. If not now, kind of win. And I think it's now for him. I think he recognizes it and he has a good year. And he's being severely underdrafted. He's a great late-round target guy. Um, if you're doing like a two-quarterback league, if you go up there and you get one of those elite guys we were talking about, and you can wait and you can pull off an Andy Dalton, you've got something special more oh, yeah. than likely cooking in your lineup. Mm-hmm. We now go to a guy who he's been around forever. This is our number 16 quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. He's been around forever. He's had some good years. He's viewed as a great quarterback, but I don't know that he's ever been a great fantasy quarterback. Real life can't take away what he's able to do. He's got heart. He's got, you know, he's able to take shots better than really anybody I've ever seen. He plays hurt more often than I think anyone I've seen in the league. But Some hardware. He's got the hardware to, to match, and I just don't. But he. So why does he suck? <laughs> <laughs> He's got Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant coming back. He's got Le'Veon Bell. Like, why does Ben Roethlisberger stink as a fantasy quarterback? I don't get it. He uh, he's a painful one for a couple reasons. He almost never plays a full season, and you can almost just lock him in for that. And Landry Jones will come in, but you can't really just pick up Landry Jones and play him. So now you got to pick up another quarterback, and you're not just going to drop Ben Roethlisberger. So you're doing this whole dance, managing your lineup, and it's never been worth it at all. Because when he's on the road, he, in the last three years, measures out to be QB 22, which is puke-worthy. That's gross. It's very bad. And a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who may not be uh, – you know, fantasy football obsessed. They might be thinking, how the heck, you know, is Ben Roethlisberger, how have they not talked about him yet? Yeah. But that's just the, the statistical fact of the matter is that he is not really worth your fantasy time. And one of the things that people don't really talk about with Ben is he has great running back play. Whether it was D'Angelo Williams or whether it was Le'Veon Bell, they have, they've always had very dynamic running back play. And that sometimes can make him 
throw one touchdown in a game if Le'Veon runs two in or, you know, maybe they only score 20 points and it's one passing, one rushing, and a couple field goals or something like that. And, you know, that happens to the Steelers. They're not a team that typically goes out there and hangs 40 points, especially on the road. That's like never really happens. But I think that's the, you know, their kind of game plan is never like, let's get in the shotgun and throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, because they have Le'Veon Bell and they have a good running system. And that's really, the Steelers kind of showed at the end of the year what kind of team they're, they're, they want to be. They kind of play an old-fashioned football with new-fashioned yeah. guys. Yes. Yeah, they, they're going to run the ball a lot. There was a couple of games last year where Le'Veon Bell had 30 carries. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot. And they've spoken a little about, about cutting down his workload this year, but I don't think that necessarily means stopping to run the football. Yeah. I think it means just giving the kid a breather every once in a while. Yeah, and maybe not splitting him out and, you know, all Throwing that. him back shoulder fades. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> we still want to see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Our number 17 quarterback, I think, is the most volatile fantasy quarterback the three of us have discussed in the last two years. It's Tyrod Taylor. And he'll have games where he scores 25 points, only throwing one passing touchdown. And then he'll have games where he throws two passing touchdowns and he scores 16. He is a really tough guy to peg. But for one more year at least, he's got the keys in Buffalo and I think he's good. I don't know. You sound pretty unsure. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you can tell because I'm, I'm, he's a guy I'm very unsure about. I've had him before. I started. He was a guy I took as my secret weapon in my two-quarterback league. And he was startable. Didn't win me the league, but he was startable. And, you know, as a if you're in a one-quarterback league, and for, I would say, probably about 75% of you, Sure. Or more, you're in a one quarterback league. I don't know that like Tyrod's scoring potential is so volatile, and the the game script for the Bills can change so much. There were so many games last year where Tyrod had like 15 points just because Shady was going nuts. Mm-hmm. So I like that's something you can bank on. Like Lashawn McCoy's not going anywhere. No, they they want run. to get him the ball. So I don't know so much like. What Tyrod's going to be able to do if Shady continues to have you know this career resurgence in Buffalo that he's having, and also who's he throwing to? Charles Clay, right? Sammy Watkins' corpse, and Zay uh, Jones yeah. is a guy that they drafted. I think they lost Robert Woods, who was I think shockingly enough their most consistent fantasy wide he receiver was startable last year. But there's there's so much going against Tyrod Taylor, but he still produces. So I would love to see it where the Bills actually like put together a core where they were like, okay, like go get him, Tyrod. But well, I don't think that's going to happen. He gets about a minimum, and on the low end average of it all, 30 rushing yards a game, which for most standard scoring maps out to 75 additional passing yards. Yeah, yeah. So Three points. you kind of can just lock that in. Right, but my – my problem with Tyrod is if I'm if I'm drafting a quarterback and let's say it's 50, you know, he still doesn't even throw for enough yards. Like he needs that 50 yards just to get within shouting distance of the quarterbacks that you know, you're you we've spoken about earlier. And if he doesn't get that rushing touchdown, 
it's a very rare occurrence that he throws more than two touchdowns in a game, and it's a very rare occurrence that he throws for even more than 250 yards in a game. So for me personally, I don't really like Tyrod because you have to rely too much on his running. For us, I don't think right now we're making the glowing recommendation to draft him and plug him in every week either. Of course, yeah. But uh, he deserves to be in the conversation. He's a suitable bi-week filler. Um, He's a suitable... Philip Rivers replacement on the weeks where he's got a tough matchup. Absolutely. Like I said, um, week one, Philip Rivers actually plays in Denver. Yeah. So you're not going to want to start him, but you might want him down the road and you get that Denver game out of the way. Tyrod plays the Jets. Yeah. Oh. So. Uh, well then. Yeah. So, I, you know, that's, that's yeah. the kind of use that I see for Tyrod. And I could see him putting it together with Sammy. Hopefully, Sammy can stay healthy. But you know, that's a lot. Of, there's a couple of question marks right there. That's two. So you want Sammy to be healthy. We're rooting for him. I know I am. But who knows with that, Rob? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We're at our number eighteen quarterback now, and our number eighteen quarterback is Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles was a top ten quarterback last year. Yeah, he was number nine. So what happened? I have him ranked the highest, but really not by much. Um, I think it's just the garbage time effect. You know, the, yeah. the points count exactly the same. Uh, they're hard to count on, but with Blake Bortles, it seemed to be almost reliable. Yeah, I was almost yeah. going to say, like we said, like don't start Der- – maybe like take Phillip Rivers, but don't start him against good teams. I'm taking Blake Bortles, and I'm starting him against – I'm only starting him against the good teams because <laughs> those good teams that have really good offenses that torch the Jags – like, those are the teams that he makes the comebacks so, against. Those are the teams that he's throwing, you know, 250 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone to so try to like, make this miracle comeback. there that I can put Blake Bortles in just for the second half? I know. I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just daydreaming about that. I'm not even kidding. Like, a uh, quarter amplifier. Yeah. So, in the first quarter, everything's times one, times two, times three, times four. He would be lethal. Yeah, but he'd be the best quarterback in the league. One of the things, Aaron Rodgers would stink. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things that um, really made me move Blake Bortles pretty far back was obviously how inconsistent he is, how many interceptions he throws. But I heard Doug Marone in an interview, and they asked him, "How many times do you want Blake Bortles to throw the ball a game?" Do you guys have any idea what he said? No, ten, zero. Really? (laughs) It was like half jokingly, but he literally said in an interview, zero. So take that for what it's worth. Take it as coach speak kind of maybe gamesmanship. It's kind of early in the season for that. And and you bring in Tom Coughlin as your like football operations guy. And the first thing that he wanted was a running game. And then you see them go and draft Leonard Fournette and they still have Ivory and Yeldon. I don't necessarily think too highly of them. I'm pretty big on Fournette myself. But the fact of the matter is they're thinking, like, we got to try and stay in the game. So I think early in the games, again, you're going to see a lot more handoffs. And for that reason, that's why I was like, okay, I'm pulling back on Bortles this year. And I'm a little bit more higher on a guy like like Stafford or Rivers, who you know is going to get the throw attempts. And they improved their defense, too, which was a lot of the storyline last year uh, going into the season. Like, yes. oh, don't draft Bortles because they're actually going to have the lead now. They yep. still screwed that up. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think they'll be as tragically behind as always, but I'm still not willing to give them the lead. No, absolutely not. All right, we're at number 19 now, and our number 19 quarterback is Eli Manning. Um, the weapons are still there. Sterling Shepard, I think, I was, even. was pretty good. Um, 
Brandon they, Marshall, huge addition. Brandon Marshall coming in, I think, is a big deal, especially in the red zone. They drafted Evan Engram from Ole Miss. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the fantasy tight end thing is, you know, or even just NFL tight ends is, you know, rookie tight ends just never contribute in the way that you expect them to. But if they're only asking Evan Engram to, to run routes in the red zone and block, like, I, can I don't see even him think they're going to ask him to block much because I have of a, size. Yeah, and he's not the the blocking. He's a receiver yeah. that plays tight end. He's one of those uh, celebrity tight ends. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like, oh no, I'm here to catch. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You <laughs> thought I was going to block. For I don't your push back? those big guys yeah, around. No. no, that's not me. No. But the but, only thing that I, that gives me hope for him, and we'll talk about this in tight ends too, but. I just think that they have that immediate uh, rookie slide him in and see what what's going on. They had uh, Sterling Shepard play right away. They had Odell play right away. Their defense is full of them, so I don't see why the organization wouldn't let him go, especially yeah. when you've got to only beat out like Will Ty and. And speaking of Will Ty, you know, he got a lot of targets really close to the line of scrimmage last year, which is the main thing for me with Eli is time in the pocket will indicate Eli's season. Will he be like last year where he relies on relies on quick slants out of Odell for 75-yard touchdowns and dink and dunk? Or will they have the time where he can actually sit in the pocket and deliver? Because when Eli has the time to make the throws, he makes every throw. He could throw the ball deep. He makes all the throws. So to me, it's can they get him enough time in the pocket to be able to sit there and make the reads and hit that you know those deeper ones downfield? If they do, I think he climbs a lot higher than number nineteen. I just don't really. I didn't see much from them bolstering that line at all. And you get it. You bring in a tight end who plays receiver, so you're not getting any blocking help there. I just don't really see it, and that's why that's why he's nineteen. I just don't see the pocket. Being there for him. Even if he climbs, you don't see him getting into like QB1 conversation. I think he could flirt with it. Yeah. I think he could flirt with it. He's a guy to me, Eli, he's a guy that can give you QB1 value five weeks out of the season. And you just got to get him playing in that five weeks. But that's not the quarterback that you want to draft. You want a guy who you think can give you QB1 value 16 weeks. Yeah, but also you're going to get Eli for free yeah you can yeah. get him whenever you want him so. you know one of the years where one of my teams was was uh at its best i had rivers and eli and they're like a kind of good give and take it's it's one of those guys that i would eli's one of those guys that i would love to have it's as a plug and play as a plug and play yeah so and hopefully it's against a team without a good pass rush kind of because if if a team has a good pass rush look out he ain't throwing the ball past seven yards down the line of scrimmage past the line of scrimmage well they got paul perkins that they want to do uh a little bit more with and last year when he was getting involved like it seemed he like was they electric just, yeah but they also it seemed like they just stopped trying to block yeah and they would just let the pass rush come in and dump it off the ball perkins yeah. so we could see plenty of that as well yeah not that that's a sustainable offense but so we promised you 20 quarterbacks, and we're actually going to give you a few more. But our number 20 quarterback is actually a great introduction to a segment that we're going to be working on throughout the year. We think that everybody's going to like it. Uh, it's called Plum Picks. I can feel it down in my plums. It's just that player, you know, you can feel it. Yeah, you just... I can feel it. You just know. You just know that this guy can can give you something more or you just kind of have a really good feeling about him and intuition yeah and my guy is Carson Palmer I think and this is just something that I have in my heart I think Carson Palmer knows he's at the end of his rope 
I think Bruce Arians knows that Carson Palmer's at the end of his rope. And I think they're going to set it up so that he has one of the better seasons of his career. The Arizona Cardinals were easily the most disappointing team in the NFL last year. Everybody thought they were a Super Bowl contender. They were out of it in no- in late November. Like, it was just disgusting. And it was kind of weird because they had, like, they actually statistically had a very high-ranked defense and the best running back. So it was like a – and the receiver with, I believe, the second most or most receptions with Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. The most. So, like, statistically, like, you look at their team, it's like, wait, they were – they were bad. Wait, how? So I think that last year was a little bit of an anomaly for the Cardinals. And I expect them to kind of elevate with, I agree with Don, elevate you know their play a little bit. I think they're going to keep leaning on David Johnson because they know Carson doesn't have a ton left in the tank. But I see their, their whole team elevating back to that status that they were two years ago. And let's not forget, two years ago, this was Carson Palmer's show. Mm-hmm. He was going deep. He was finding guys open. MVP they candidate. were blowing teams out. They looked like they looked incredible, all this stuff. And then something just happened. And it, it, we've seen this, we see this basically every year. There's always one team where it's just like, why are they not really, really good? And I think last year was the Cardinals' year. That division's up for grabs. I don't think Seattle's as good as they were in those back to back Super Bowl years. And so my plum pick is Carson Palmer. I think he's really going to make a big comeback. I think he's really going to produce this year. Um, but I know you guys are itching to tell us who your plum picks are. So um, I'm going to say, Tom, let's go with yours. All right. Well, brace yourselves. <laughs> I don't remember. Think I- we've already gone through 20 of the quarterbacks. Yeah. So uh, this guy, wait, I was thinking about maybe I'll do like a, a guessing game for the audience here. You know? Sure. I like that. Okay. Okay. So this guy. He played for a pretty unsuccessful team last year. He played against the Colts, threw for about 400 yards versus them. He didn't win a lot, but he created a new wide receiver one in his time, and then he left early with a broken arm. His name's Brian Hoyer. What? Brian Hoyer. He played pretty well. He didn't want to go back to Chicago, and he had the the bargaining power to actually just not go back. <laughs> so now he's on a new team, a decent organization. They were in the Super Bowl not too long ago. They're going to rebuild. He's going to create some new wide receiver ones, maybe a little Marquise Goodwin over there. <laughs> he's really fast, deep ball threat. Pierre like, Garcon. Yep. You know, he's got a lot of running backs, Kyle Juszczyk. To be honest, I mean – Whenever you watch him play, it's like he's uh, he's never been really on a good team. But you're not like watching him like, dude, this guy is bad. He's like, always I don't been, think that when I watch him play. I'm he's like, always been a serviceable streamer. Mm-hmm. And you know the thing that I I like about Hoyer, Don's staying very quiet. Don is crying. This. Um, the thing I really <laughs> like about Hoyer is Shanahan. Obviously, of you course. know, I I think that he's good enough to find a receiver and hit him when he's open. And I think that that was one of the things that Shanahan did so well last year with Atlanta was get these guys open. Yeah, and as far as um, fantasy football, I'm not saying that Brian Hoare is going to be a Super Bowl contender, and I don't even mean to talk up the organization. If they're down, which they will be, he gets to throw. Yep. And if he gets to throw, he could 
you know, be a Blake Bortles type, mm-hmm. or he could just have natural success. And uh, I think he's gone out there and done it enough times that no one's going to rank him in the top 20. No. But I would not be surprised whatsoever when he lands in there. If he snuck his way in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I draft him as my QB four. <laughs> so that's and that's the beauty of this segment is just that Tom's just got a great feeling about Brian Hoyer, and I don't even think he's going to end up as the as the week sixteen starter for that team. Like I just I really don't see it. But hey, that's uh, that's why we make these picks. So Scott, <laughs> let's uh, let's round it out with yours. Um, my pick, my plump pick is is Deshaun Watson and. I've been big on him, you know. I loved him in Clemson, and I loved watching those national championship games. And you know, I think a lot of a, a lot of the reason why I like him too is um, a lot of the reason why I was discrediting Tyrod Taylor a little bit. But I'm going to use it to the credit of Watson because he's a much underrated runner than people kind of give Watson credit for. And I think I see a lot of similarities between him and Russell Wilson with their kind of just like intangible work ethic type stuff. But being able to recognize when to run and when to throw, I think is something that Watson will be able to do very well. Um, Obviously I'm hopeful that he comes into the season as the starter. This is kind of, uh, you know, I think we're in agreement that he will be, I don't know if it's going to be week one. I don't mean week one, but I mean that he will, but I think he becomes the starter at some point. And then if you start to look around at the team, he has, Let's start at the at their bottom of their weapons barrel. Fedorowicz was good with Brock Osweiler. Startable, so, startable week to week tight end. Yeah, but he Brock, was the only good person with <laughs> Brock Osweiler. Right, he was the only one. <laughs> but then you look outside. Will Fuller, he's got his deep threat. He's got his go to number one who catches literally everything. in DeAndre Hopkins sounds a lot like Mike Williams, doesn't it, Don? It does. And then you you look at Lamar Miller, who's also a very capable receiving back. Combine all that. With his ability to run, I think he. I think when he comes into the league, he's the Tyrod Taylor with the weapons that you want Tyrod Taylor to have the entire season. Like you want Sammy Watkins to be there the whole year, and he's not. Well, Hopkins typically is, and Will Fuller's there. And I don't know. I love Watson. I'm just a big fan of him. You and can feel I, it. Yeah, I can feel it deep down in your plums. Deep down in the plums. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What about if you, you have not seen the eastbound and down outtake that we got that sound clip from, do yourself a favor. Just, just go watch it. Yeah, it's this episode's almost over. You can take a break before you get to the next position rankings <laughs> or the next episode, whatever, wherever you pick us up with. But you got to see that video because it, it will even make our silly little podcast that much funnier. Because <laughs> I promise you. You'll hear it probably about 90% of the episodes. (laughs) We're going to have fun with it. I do love Watson a lot more than I love Hoyer, but, you know, I I didn't want to throw that in there because I didn't want to make Tom feel bad. (laughs) Um, That's, I think that's, I think we're good, right? Yeah. The only thing that I really want to plug before we forget it is to rate and review. And uh, what we're going to do down the road is once we accumulate enough uh, five-star reviews that, have a fantasy football related question. We're going to do one to two to three, however many episodes it takes to uh, answer all the questions that we receive with the corresponding rating. Yeah. So please, uh, please rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes. We've got a SoundCloud set up as well. If that is your preferred podcast intake method, um, 
We also have a Twitter. Our Twitter is at RutzFF, at R-U-T-S-F-F. We've also all got personal Twitters. So, Tom, let's start with yours. At HillierFF, H-I-L-L-I-E-R-F-F. Scotty? At WAGSFF. And I'm at Why So Serious, like the uh, the Dark Knight thing. <laughs> like that, the Joker. Yeah, like the Joker. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Um, but we want to thank you guys so much. This is only the beginning, obviously, and we're so excited to share this fantasy football season with you. Uh, we hope you'll come along for the ride. We hope to be of some service to you. Like we said, if you've got a question, if you've got a keeper, if you want to know if you have a good idea for a team name, if you want to know what pick you should give yourself, and who you should take with that pick. Anything give us fantasy. a five-star review and a, and a rating. Give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes with your question. We will answer every single question that we get in the form of a five-star review, <laughs> even if it kills us. If and it's the last thing we do, we will answer your question. Because it will help us. So just subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, and uh, your fantasy football confidants. And one last thing. Don't think that Ryan Tannehill is going to be good this year. <laughs> we didn't talk about him for a reason, all right? Let it go. It's not the year. It's never the year. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> all right, we're getting all off right, the yeah. rails. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you for our other rankings or for our weekly episodes, depending on what uh, position you listen to first. Uh, but until then, keep scoring. Baby, we were born to-